uh, remix. Stop. What up, what up, Medicine Remix? It's your boy, Eddie Truck Gordon, UFC Ultimate Fighter Champ. Yeah, let me tell you something. Your station is bananas. Inspiring to, to try to be like you, man. Keep doing what you do. I love it. Much love. As I said from the beginning, from the first time I saw your account, I said you're doing something that nobody else is doing in medicine. And by the heavens, you must continue. Because you are showing the young generation what is possible. You must continue. Hashim Osgood on Medicine Remix. Hashim Osgood, one reason he went to the Pro Bowl as a special teams guy are plays like that. He's able to strip it and then it stays in bounds. He takes a seat, crosses his legs. No problem, guys. Go to work. Medicine Remix is a great station because you guys just cover the full gamut of the human persona, the human flight. You guys send out prescriptions of life. What I love about you guys' show, Medicine Remix, is the fact that you guys will take a hip-hop quote, put it into a prescription formula because people need to know how to live uh, artwork in the form of rap hip-hop sort of like now we're Pfizer and we're telling you these could be your side effects if you don't check yourself it's true you will wreck yourself you will. <laughs> hey guys I just wanted to let you know I'm hanging out with someone from Apple and they said that they listened to your station and loved it just wanted to give you that feedback that's the remix fam Medicine Medicine remix next big thing get on it now Appreciate that, brother. Make the most of today. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Bye. What it do, Remix crew? It's your boy, Reesh. It's your favorite podcast, Medicine Remixed. And we have a bit of a throwback episode for y'all today. Actually, it's more of a lost episode, more than anything. So me and Dee recorded this session about five years ago with our boy, Dr. Leroy Lindsay, who's now an assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation at Will Cornell Medical College and New York Presbyterian Hospital. We talk about everything from being a minority in medicine, tatted up doctors, and why we think WebMD sucks, among many other things. It's an episode that we never really officially released at any point, but it's a fun one filled with stories from med school and insights about what happens when keeping it real goes right. Hope y'all enjoyed as much as we enjoyed making it. And if you haven't already, pretty pleased with brown sugar on top, consider leaving us a review on iTunes and follow us on our various social media channels. Much love and gratitude to you guys and gals. You're listening to the one and only medicine remixed who's got a face tattoo that that's worked i mean mike tyson's mike worked tyson. fairly well for him i'm a dysfunctional mother now it is but when he first got it but i mean i thought it was better when he first got it because he was still crazy now he's like sane have you heard him talk recently like being bullied you contract um really disgusting um terminal cancer in you it's something you never forget you just never forget it. It's anyway, um, brutally beaten, attacked. It's anyway, anyway, anybody could be bullied, just bullied, robbed, taken advantage of. But once I met Cuff, um, the motto was a totally, I believe bully was all psychological now, you know? The only reason I allowed him to do that because my fear allowed, my fear um, consumed me and allowed him to take advantage of me. I didn't know that when I was a kid. 
If I looked at bullying totally different now. I mean, he's all, he was always an intelligent guy that did unintelligent things. Right. Like to do what I want to do. But uh, when he had it, I think it fit his persona. He was biting people's ears and shit. And, you know, he was really living up to it. Uh-huh. And then he had like random, he's got like a, like a Mao tattoo, doesn't he? Yeah. And then like a Che tattoo on his body. What is that? I don't even know. Um, two communists, not dictators, but leaders. Yeah, revolutionaries. Oh, like a, Ma- a Mao, yeah. Mao Zedong. What is his name? Mao Zedong? And, uh, and a Che tattoo. I think those are the two. But anyway, in terms of face tattoos, who's successfully had face tattoos? What do you mean successfully? Like, Where, like, nobody, it goes. It works. It's like, oh, that, that looks good. Yeah. Nobody. I, I, I've seen some face tattoos that work, surprisingly. Uh, I guess the games is pretty... Game over. Yeah. Like, it works for that. It fits what he's doing, you know? Like, that works. Uh, you don't see, you know, a face tattoo on, you know... Uh, a doctor? Uh, yeah, a doctor. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some, some tatted up docs. Oh, and yeah. some tatted up yeah, dentists. Yeah, yeah. You know who has a... Uh, you, guys, you guys know Lars, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah Lars, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the ED doc? Yeah. He's got a tattoo, and he was like the last person I thought that would get a tattoo. And he has it on his forearm, oh, yeah. which is... You remember that? But uh, I always thought that was a, a, a weird place to get it because we use our hands. Especially if you're wearing scrubs and, yeah. you know, you could see it out in the open, but... I mean, what fucking difference does it make, really? Right, but, right. That's what I was, I was going to you know, say, though. Yeah. If you're a patient... Though, if we're, yeah. you know, we're working around am I or am I being Joe Plummer? No, but I mean, I guess it's hard for us to kind of like yeah, step so out Yeah, so you're that. asking me to, if I was Joe Plummer. Right, that right, right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't give a shit and I think it's kind of cool. Um, but the scenario that always pops up is, so your mom's in the hospital, right? And she's had a heart attack or a stroke or something. And then this guy comes in with neck tattoos. Oh, God. You know, is that the person that you necessarily want to see first? Not to say that it's going to compromise their care. But is that the face you want to see? Or is that the face that you're going to feel comfortable with? I think 20 years ago, it was an absolute no. I don't think people would have wanted that. But now, I don't know. And I'm pretty progressive, so... And prog- that sounds so douchey. I'm so progressive, guys. I don't know if you knew. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you knew that about me, but I'm super progressive. But I'm okay with that stuff, you know? Like, it doesn't bother me. And I've actually thought about getting tatted up. And, and, yeah, all over my face. Uh, particularly my large nose. Just tattoo my nose. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. My eyelids, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah, keep it real, real. But no, I've thought about... Keeping it real goes wrong. Like, I have, I have uh, some ideas that I would have for a sleeve, but you want to know what I picture in my head? I picture me going into clinic and wearing one of those uh, Dwight Howard armband thing or arnk uh-huh. to cover up just because in case people might feel uncomfortable, mm. you know, and then start a cool story like I, I got burned in a fire or something. That's why I wear it. But <laughs> I, I, I would do it out of a courtesy to not make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm that guy, like, if I'm listening to music and there's, right. like, cussing in it and I and an old lady pulls up right. next to me in the car, right. I turn and down you, my you turn music. But wouldn't you turn your radio down? 100. Right. Yeah, I'm that guy. Right. So I'd feel like I'd have the same approach with the tattoo thing. Yeah. Probably. You know, but... How would you feel like I, I, I mean, when I when I started med school, for example, I was I had the chin strap, I had studs in both of my ears, yeah. and for like the first, I remember that guy. Yeah. Yo, all you sucker MCs ain't got nothing on me from my grades to my lines. You can't touch Kevin G. Yeah, we would be going to clinic, and I'd be going like that, like yo, this is this is me, this yeah. is me, whatever. But then after a while, like I kind of. Kind of felt the same way. I'm just like, you know, I don't know for for whatever reason, this to me, and not saying that the next guy shouldn't be doing this, but you know, I had to I had to take him out for me because I, I started feeling uncomfortable. Huh.
so it kind of changed my look after after starting the whole medical thing yeah yeah you know i definitely remember um i guess first year we all come in from different undergrads and postbacks and whatever and you know it's kind of like we bring our style bring all of our experiences together right it's a different world when you're going from you know undergrad or whatever kind of training to graduate training you right know, it's not like grad school where nobody cares what you look like what you do most of the time as long as you're doing your work in the lab and doing your presentations right. but with this this is it's not the same kind of schooling you right know, right a lot not the same kind of training because essentially you're interfacing every day with these people that you're going to be working with more or less every day and right. every impression that you have with them just stays with you real life or even if you go to a different hospital can follow you you know so i remember being very cognizant of just that that idea of i've got to be a little bit more cautious of how much of that was because you're black though Oh, we don't. People haven't even introduced yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Benny was wondering who that sexy yeah, third voice. Yeah, that suave, the ladies, man. We were all classmates in med school, and uh, I think Leroy, we became friends pretty late. We didn't hang out like right away, and I know I didn't hang out with Reese till the last year, really. Wow. But uh, we all went to school together, and I don't know. You just want to talk about what you do now, or you don't have to get specific. Just you know. I'm a, a resident in the specialty known as physical medicine and rehabilitation. Mm. Big mouthful means a whole lot of stuff very simply put after someone's had surgery strokes spinal cord injuries a bunch of other things and the surgeons are done the generalists are done it's kind of what next how do you get back home how do you get to be independent right not physical therapy i'm the doctor that talks do you get that a lot do you yeah so what do you what do you say what i do is i say i am the doctor who makes the diagnosis and then talks with the therapist about what i think is the best next step Mm -hmm. in terms of approaching it because i mean the truth is there are therapists that have been working in physical therapy occupational therapy for 20 years so it's not like i know physical or occupational therapy or any other intervention more than they do right but i have the medicine side and i have some of the knowledge you know especially the new things that are happening and from our literature what is it that we're looking for what are is it that we're avoiding because those are some of the things that might be gaps in their knowledge base so that's Mm -hmm. kind of how i go about explaining what i do that's awesome man nice and uh, so to get back on what we were talking about, uh, this idea of, of what you do uh, following you, you know, this this idea of uh, the perception I give to, to patients and, and other healthcare workers, yeah. you know, nurses, other docs, um, how much of or did you ever or did it ever even come into your psyche or is it something you carry around with you? Uh, of being an African-American male, being a black male, do you feel like that was extra weight on you, especially in medicine? Because I think we all feel it to a certain degree being minorities, you know, to some degree or another. But did you feel that intensified? Did it not change? Is it not something that bothered you once you got into medicine and it's like now you're... Interesting question. I think that I always had that understanding, you know, probably from high school or so when I just started to realize between the sacrifices that my parents had made and just how things had played out in my life that I was going to have opportunities that Mm -hmm. I needed to really make count 
you know mm. and i had just the neighborhood kids that i that i grew up with the kids that i knew that were you know kind of stuck in the cycle i was just thinking about them and thinking about you know my nieces and nephews and and everybody that i was going to more or less represent mm. you know and so with that weight if you want to call it i approached you know everything i remember getting to college and you know a lot of people you can you know ask some of the people who met me in my first year of college kind of i rubbed them the wrong way and it was in part because i think i was unsure as to how i was going to continue being who i was being who i wanted to be in this mm. new environment but I always had this idea of I'm representing this place and these people that, you know, from where I come from right. and I'm bringing them with me. And my hopes is that once I get to where I'm going, that they will also follow. So, mm -hmm. you know, there was always that kind of idea in right. my mind. Of, I'm not just here to play around. I'm really here for the education right. to, to make the connections, but also you know there there are people back home there are people even that i haven't met that are not in my home but you know something like it right. that i want to see me and be able to say you know i i, I want to do that right so huh. so it sounds like a little bit of both uh yeah. a little bit of play of you learning your place and and trying to figure out who you wanted to present and who you wanted to be the thing that you remember uh steven yeah of right course. okay well uh we played basketball you know big guy oh yeah yeah, yeah. so um i ran into a situation where i was in um in one of our pbls one of the small group yeah, learning things problem-based learning and it's Groups. basically you know 10 people 10 med students and we're basically teaching each other that's the way it worked you know for the first two years of med school you have these classes and uh i had a a, a run-in with a one of the instructors who was leading the, the class i said something i was doing my learning objective thing i was presenting to the class and he stops and he asked the class do you guys understand him and i thought to myself whoa what did i say that he that would prompt him to ask in kind of that condescending tone do they understand me yeah. and this was first year so i'm wearing like my lrg jeans i'm wearing yes. like you know a a, a, a starter jacket mm -hmm. and i got like my california angels cap on backwards you know and wearing and, a starter jacket inside huh yeah yeah that's that's, that's how it's cold upstate new york yeah. is <laughs> so so uh so anyway um I'm sitting there and I'm trying. I'm looking at the faces of all the people in, in, in the class, and I'm trying to figure out, like, whoa, what did I say? I mean, I I know for sure I didn't start the you know my presentation with, yo yo yo, what's up? Like, here's my, you know, it wasn't like that. Yeah. Um. So I kind of let him go, and everybody said yes. They all understood. And then he said, proceeded to say literally exactly what I said, which confused me more because then I thought, what did I say? Because I thought that's exactly what I said. Yeah. So anyway, he repeats it. I was the last person to go. So. After that, okay, any questions? No. He gets up and leaves, and I stop, and uh, there was this kid, Drew, and I, I said, Drew, uh, just between you and I, what, what just happened, man? And he goes, dude, I have no idea, but I don't think that dude likes you. <laughs> and I said, all right. I, so it's not just me. He's like, no, he repeated exactly what you said. I'm kind of confused. And I said, okay. So, uh, you know, a day passed, and then the day after that, we, we have the class again, and I see him, and the same thing happened. What? And I turn to him, and I, and, I, <laughs> and I say to him, do you have a problem with me? Oh, shit. Like, do you have, a, and so everybody's getting uncomfortable, right? And I said, I, and I don't mean that to be rude because I'm uncomfortable around you. So it's wrong of me to think that you don't have the right to be uncomfortable around me. If I make you uncomfortable, that's fine. But if you have something against me as a person, you need to separate that from me, the student, because I don't want this to affect my grade. And, uh, 
he didn't like that and it kind of made how do you respond to that uh, he was this german dude so i don't remember he, i don't understand what the hell he was talking about but uh he said uh something it was inappropriate what i was doing or whatever and then and so i got kind of like i said well i think what you're doing is inappropriate so my point is after all this happens we just kind of brush it off and the other kids in the class say to me listen if you want to take this to like the honor board which is like our school court uh-huh. uh we're behind you and i was like i'm not gonna fucking take this to the honor board get out of here um so now I'm really self-conscious about it because I'm walking into class and first off, I'm not talking to anybody. I don't know these people. I don't want to know these people. I, I was in, in the sort of mind frame where we're from different places, man. And I had so many little interactions with students where they'd say, oh, you clean up well when I had to wear a tie. And I was like, what am I, fucking hobo? Would you find me on the street? And like, I clean up well? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. That's not what I meant. But So I would just give them that look. And then I had those odd conversations where other med students would come up to me and say, oh, what's your portfolio look like? What the fuck are you talking about? Portfolio? Stock portfolio? Yeah. And this kid says, oh, your parents don't buy you stocks? What? And I was like, nah, dude. My parents don't buy me stocks. And he's like, oh, well, you... If they did. Hold on, but this is how yeah. not, this is how ridiculously in a different world this kid is from. He says to me, uh, oh, your parents don't buy you stock? Well, you should really talk to them. They should buy you stock. God, yeah, God, yeah. Wow. And I was like, uh, yeah, dude, I know what wow. stocks are, but that's this conversation's cult- over. That's, that's, a, that's what I said to the kid. That's a culture shock right? right there. Yeah, so this is all first year, right? So I'm thinking like, oh, man, I, I really don't like this place. So I just stopped talking to people. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're, I'm, you're not going to understand where I'm from. I don't understand where you're from. Just let me get through med school and get the hell out of here. Uh-huh. Um, so somehow this rumor started that my dad was a plastic surgeon. Some girl came up to me because at this point people wanted to know me, but I wasn't like making myself available. So these rumors would just start, right? So this girl says, oh, your dad's in plastics, right? And I was like, yeah, my dad's in plastics. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that perpetuated it for another good year and a half that my dad was a plastic surgeon and all this stuff. So, um, but I was really distant from everybody. And Steven comes up to me. This was years, like two or three years after that. And, uh, says something we were talking something about clothes and he's like yeah your wardrobe will change and i was like what, what are you talking about he's like it'll change you, you'll you'll change it and i was like no, why would i change it like what, what's there to change and he's like yeah i thought the same thing like uh you know i came in here with my jays on and everything and uh but you learned that you, you can't be that guy uh, and i remember thinking like fuck you man like fuck you first off you're a sellout already i hate you you think i'm a sellout why because I live in a big house where I dress a certain way? Or maybe it's because I like Barry Manilow. You mean Barry White, y'all. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then I found out later he's from, from a pretty well-off family, and, you know, and he's, I wouldn't consider him a friend, but I don't have beef with the guy, you know? Yeah, but, but also, you're from different places. We were from, but he was black, and I think right. he wore the black on him. Like, right. people look at me and expect me to be that black to guy. Be, yeah. be the black but guy. he was, like, right. the whitest black guy I had ever met. So maybe growing up where you did has made you a little touchy, but I think you've blown this whole thing way out of proportion. If you look at the facts... Right. And even that's almost a little racial to say, like, oh, you know, what does yeah. it mean to be a white yeah. black guy? That's quite racialist, to be honest. But in the context of where people looked at him, they expected him to be that other kind of black guy. Yeah. You know this gay is chill? Yo, how you playing me, Prince? <laughs> and he was instead the educated black guy that didn't want people to know that he was the educated black guy, really. So wanted as much hood cred as he could get without actually having to be from the hood. Uh-huh. You know, that type of guy. Now you dissing me! Oh, shit! So it was a weird sort of where I realized, wow, like... What exactly is my role in this? I, like, when people look at me, am I like the Spanish kid? Am I, am I that guy? And it really started to bug me because then, then I started to better understand uh, whether I like it or not. I'm representing a lot more than just me. Yep. You know, what, like whether I want that to be the case or not, that's what it's going to be. 
So uh, it was a burden, man. Because another time in PBL, somebody said, well, no, no, no. David said that people in those neighborhoods. What? A girl said, and I'm sitting right there. And I stopped. I was like, in those. Yeah. And I said, uh, first off, I am not the hood representative for poverty. Like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, oh, what, are you, what are you talking about? And she's like, no, isn't that what you said? Good poverty comes through me. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I was like, that's that's an awful thing to say, man. Like, I don't. I told you what I know. Right. I told you what my experience is. That's not. I don't represent every poor neighborhood. What yeah. is wrong with you to yeah. even think that? I want to be, only way I've, I've been practicing my whole life to live my life is to be responsible for what I do. I don't know how to be responsible for what every black male did. I don't know. I, yes, I am going to say that I'm a thug. That's because I came from the gutter and I'm still here. Yeah. You know, listen, I didn't realize I was poor until I moved out of the neighborhood. Yeah. I, didn't realize I, I didn't realize everybody, most people had their dad in their house. Like, I didn't. You know, people's parents were buying them stocks. Yeah, I, I had. <laughs> I didn't even know, know what a stock was. I, did, I had no idea. Like, didn't have boat shoes. No, I didn't <laughs> have boat shoes. That's another story. Jesus. Um, but I, I really had no idea. Like in that same class, I referenced my white friend, and I, I my, the sentence went, "My white friend Corey," and everybody got super <gasps> quiet. And I was like, "Oh, like what I say?" And this girl leans into me, and she goes. Oh, you said your white friend. I was like, yeah, because he's white, man. My one white friend. And she goes like this, like she signals like around the table. She's like, we're all white and most of our friends are white. And we don't introduce our black friend by saying our black friend. And I was like, well, listen, my white friend. Probably because you don't have any black friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> First of right? all. So I, it, it, that struck me because my whole life, that's how I prefaced it. You know, because then people knew who I was talking about. My white friend, Corey, the white guy that hung out with us. Everybody knew him. Yeah. And we loved him because he was a white guy who wasn't trying to be anything other than white. Like he, long hair, rage against the machine, give a shit. You get in his car, you're listening to Megadeth, go fuck yourself. He's not putting on anything else. Right. We loved him for that. But his dad and his mom were married and we would make fun of him because he had a mom and a dad. <laughs> Like, it, like yeah, the joke was shit, yeah. the joke was on him, you know. So I mean that that's yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's because a world. that's how much it was normal for us to just be raised by single moms. Uh, that, right. that was our norm. He was odd man out. Right. So that sort of like whatever this weird. Uh, uh, it was just different. It wasn't the norm for me in med school, but that sort of uh, I don't know shell shock really bothered me and became an issue the first two years of med school when it came into play where it was handy was when we started actually interacting with patients Patients, yeah. right, right then it was like you know what fuckers nothing they taught you in class is gonna yeah. help you right now yep. this person hates you so get out i'll talk to them right like nothing that they could have learned because how many classes did you sit in in like humanities where you thought to yourself who the fuck is this lecture for you have to be told this and then you looked around the classroom you're like ah it's for you it's for that guy right Right. there you know it's a weird sort of like are we doing it wrong are we trying to teach people to be like everybody else that Mm -hmm. they're going to be caring for because they're so different Mm -hmm. the people that are going into medicine we're trying to teach them to be normal i mean you know forgive them because that's all they know they were that's the life i don't fault people for growing up you know, God willing, my kids are going to have all the shit that I made fun of everybody else for having sure. that I wanted, yeah. you know. So, you know, I don't blame them for growing up in that environment. They're lucky as shit. But that's not necessarily helpful when they are dealing with patients. You know, they grew up privileged. They just don't know anything else. And most people that you deal with are more average Joe. Right. You know, and I, I've always wondered, like, what are we doing wrong? What is medicine doing wrong? Are we just not looking for the right things? Are we not, uh, in terms of getting people into med school? There's a gap, man. There's a weird, weird yeah, gap. What, yeah, what does that say as far as 
you being able to connect to more people yeah. in the hospital because they're from a similar type of world. Right. You know, what does that say about the sickest people and the ones that are, you know, need the most as far as medical care? Yeah. Like, it brings up a lot of issues, like, you know, just access, just education, like, so so many different things. That cultural awareness is not something that you're going to get from a diversity day. No. You could try, I guess, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's worth trying, isn't it? I want you to take the card and I want you to put it on your forehead. Take a card, any card. And I want you to treat other people like the race that is on their forehead. Oh, God. Part of it is desire. I mean, yeah. we always talk about insight. You know, insight, how important it is for anyone with any type of medical condition, psychiatric condition. Having insight is a great prognosis compared to someone who doesn't. Right. Having insight and realizing this is where you are, this is where you're from, this is what you know, and this is the rest of the world and how you relate to it. Mm. If you are actually interested in what other people might be bringing to the table, I think that you'll try to approach it in a, a little more cautious manner, you know, just understanding that you're going to be giving and you're going to be taking. You know, every person that you're going to encounter is going to have something that you can learn from mm -hmm. and something that you can hopefully teach them. If you have that, I think it will take us a lot further. But if you don't understand that, you're just going to run into the wall all yeah. the time of <clears throat> clashing with people, clashing with colleagues, clashing with patients, missing a lot of stuff. I don't know, man. It's huge. I mean, how much do you see, though, and without, you don't have to give names or say what place you were working when you saw it or if you see it, um, but there's a lot of contempt for people who come from, you know, uh, higher income, higher socioeconomic status for people of lower socioeconomic status and the way they handle their diseases. Mm. You know, it's like this privileged kid who became a doctor is now dealing with this patient who is poor and has all these critiques of how they're not managing their blood pressure. And I mean, this person doesn't care. That's why they're like this because they don't care. Yeah. Fuck their own life. Up. Yeah. Instead of, in, instead of taking the approach from the very beginning, does this person understand what their disease is? Right. Has anybody ever spoken to them in English that they understand and broken it down and told them why it's important yeah. versus just wagging the finger at them and saying, <laughs> your blood pressure is high. And then from there on, you're referring to blood pressure as hypertension. And this person's like, ah, I guess they're kind of the same thing. And you just assume that it, you know, they understand. But they have so much contempt for these people, yeah. for the poor. And you know what? Some people don't care about their health, rich and poor. Right. You know, but have you felt that? Have you seen that where colleagues or people you've, you know, crossed paths with from even different departments where you, you can sense that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, us going through this path, we definitely get jaded. We get frustrated. You know, at some point we might have had a lot of very pure good intentions and along the way with all of the hours and whatever you want to call it you just lose some of the purpose or reason that you got yeah. into it so even if it was you know some kid who was from a well-off family by the time they get to interacting with patients they're a lot of times not the same kid yeah. and even if they are the same kid like we were talking about before just trying to figure out what the problem is you know that's huge but it's not something that people do often you know we can definitely think of examples of how people will just say okay well this person clearly just doesn't want to do it right. just can't get it but you know you just can't help these people yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and we just throw our hands up yeah. and yeah. then and then that person conversely just stops coming to clinic sure you know and then like, you see him you know in the ed with some horrible yeah. preventable disease right that's gone way too far 
Information's everything, man. And just because everyone that's around us at all times has a smartphone. Yeah. What was that statistic that you said um, about the percentage of people that actually have access to the internet? Yeah, what would you guess? Like, in their home, how? What, what, in America, what percentage of people have access to the internet? 50%. The number was, like, between 40 and 60. That's so surprising. Because, first off, you know what I used to think, man? I used to read statistics about computers. How many computers were in the home? Mm-hmm. And then, when I started working with these kids... In the, in the, the, the summer programs that I do, yeah. you want to know how many of them have computers but don't have the internet? To me, they were the same thing. Like, right, that's how right. stupid I am. It's like you almost know? the whole point of having yeah. a computer now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, they're telling me like, "Oh yeah, I have a computer," and it's like, "Oh, send me an email." They're like, "Oh, I don't have internet." And I thought, "Holy fuck, have I gone too far to you know?" I forgot that. Like buying a computer and being able to afford one is one thing, mm-hmm. and then paying you know a monthly fee for to have access to the internet and then have good access this is 40 bucks a month man for people who don't have a car who don't you know this is a totally different world so the access to the information the information's there they can go to a library i guess but we all know the benefit of having internet available to you in your home 24 7 it's huge facebook yeah facebook Facebook. yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) twitter yeah, all that, all that stuff. So the information is one thing, man. But you guys understand that you guys are the conduit for for that information. Because do you view your job as distilling all this fucking medical jargon into language that people understand? Like how Should much of be. that? Yeah, but how much yeah. of that is a conscious part of your? Like when you read something, like how much of you do you feel actually internalized and says, "All right, how would I express this to somebody with an efficiency of words where they get it?" I would honestly say a lot of what we're doing is just acquiring knowledge for ourselves, yeah. and then somewhere along the way we honestly take for granted that we're going to somehow be able to translate this language that we have picked up from journals and everything and we're going to do it well yeah i think that we probably take it for granted and uh probably overestimate just dude you're so right man you're so right are able to do that because how many times have you caught yourself in the middle and been like that's a terrible fucking explanation they don't understand this but in your head you're like i'm good at this right i'm gonna do it and then you do it and it's just awful and And when you're going through the process when you're coming up through med school you're just like oh i'm I'm never gonna be that yeah exactly not saying that everyone's like that but you have to make a conscious effort because you forget when you're surrounded by your colleagues most of the day and you're talking a different language medicine is a language in its own right that jargon that we're talking about that you have to get outside of that when you're explaining things to your patients we've all been in that situation where you do give a good explanation and the patient's just like why didn't why didn't someone say that why didn't like you're the first fucking person that that was able to and admit that that's awesome that gives you it makes you feel great but at the same time like it but do you feel the, yeah. the misses too, where you do it and you're just like, uh, of course, uh, yeah, it's something that you have to practice, yeah. like anything else. The problem is you're not allotted time for that. You're not allotted time to work on your translational skills. You know, between switching from doctor talk to you know patient talk. I think that's why I was always really focused when an attending would talk to some, a patient. Mm. If they said something really well, I would make a note of it and be like, mm. "That is a fucking great yeah, way to say it's it." A great way to you say know? it. But they sucked at everything else. They just had that one good explanation. Mm. And I think there's one neurologist that we all know who I'm talking talking about who isn't the best communicator mm-hmm. um but yeah. he would say some things to patients yeah and i'd be like that's an awful explanation you're talking jargon they don't understand you yeah. and then some he'd say and i'd be like that's a great analogy and i would consciously make notes and i, I mean i i would also do that for you know other situations where i get in an argument and i remember like an exact phrase to yeah, say of course, so yeah. maybe you know that's just me but 
Um, that skill though, that's a great point that I, I often overestimate how good I'm at translating that medical information. But what's actually helped a lot is this injury duty stuff, writing these articles, the, which by the way, you, you should start writing for us, man, in, uh, in some capacity. Uh-huh. I think, uh, and this wasn't all a clever ploy to get you to write for us. Um, <laughs> that's what this is about. I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart. But to be real honest, uh, there's been a bunch of times where I'm typing out, you know, I don't, like, I don't know if you, what's a, what's a, uh, the flu article. I don't know if you read our flu article. Um, typing that out where I catch myself and it's like, that is doctor talk, dude. And you literally thought that that was street talk. You thought that you were bringing it to a level where most people would understand. But I've so elevated my you know vocabulary that I sometimes I don't even notice that I'm I'm in where I came from. Yeah, I'm, I'm like in, I'm in nerd speak, man. You know, yeah. don't even know it. Something that I actually have started to do is look at you know how like uh, Medline or some of these other mm-hmm. Med Web MD people. Yeah, they'll put patient information or even like up to right date, yeah like the patient version patient yeah version. which I've is made <laughs> myself read it uh-huh. interestingly you know from the doctor standpoint it can be frustrating yeah. to, or even to see what the new york times or some <laughs> someone how they will how they break it down break down an article yeah mm-hmm. it can be really frustrating from the scientific medical standpoint sure like yeah. that's what you got or that's how you put that there's so many things missing but at the same time it's pretty good in terms of making you hear what things need to sound like sure when they're not targeted towards you as a healthcare professional mm. yeah so it's just like you know any other thing where you try and get used to how you want things to sound mm-hmm. or reading patient information yeah. or things yeah. that are written yeah. in that way right will allow you to translate a little bit. Are you convinced that those are good? Because uh, Rish and I get in this argument all the time. I think WebMD is fucking awful. Do, 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 and do. I, because so many things that I've read on WebMD, I wouldn't have understand if I hadn't gone to med school. No, it's, still it's like, I get it. I get it. But you know why I get it? Because I get it beyond what they're explaining. Yeah. I can fill in the gaps where if I were a lay person, yeah. those gaps, they can't fill them in. They're just reading those no, words. You know from what there. it is? You know, I think it's good for a certain demographic of people that mm. went to traditional schooling yeah. and that kind of thing and have like it's a, great you know, a baseline. Yeah. yeah. But for the kid that has the computer at home with no internet yeah. or that same kid that's coming into your clinic, you know, that WebMD article or that type of site yeah. is not for them. And I think one of the most underrated skills when we're talking about it, juggling? we know that huh? juggling? juggling is yeah. so yeah. underrated. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but knowing your audience, man, whether you're a comedian, yeah. whether you're a doctor, yeah. whatever it is, knowing your audience is one of the biggest skills that, that you can acquire. But you know what that yet. requires, man? Self-awareness. Major key. Absolutely. I think that's the problem is that that's a huge precursor. I don't think people are self-aware enough of... It's always amazing to me when if I'm talking to somebody and I tell them like where I come from and my background and they're always surprised. A part of me is offended. Like, Mm -hmm. the fuck did you think I was, you know? But... I also have to acknowledge that I don't look like that kid anymore. I don't right. look like that. You know, like I'm not that kid anymore. Yeah. I, granted, I embody all those experiences, yeah. but I'm not him, man. Mm-hmm. And that hurts a little bit because I want to be him. I, I want I want to have the best of both worlds. I want that to be convenient. I want my hood cred because I earned it. Yeah. And, and, and I want my, my cred in the hospital because I feel like you that's earned too, too yeah. you know. But the reality is you you let go of one of those, whether you like it or not. And sure, you can draw from those experiences. But it's hard when you're wearing a, a tie and hard bottom shoes to talk to that kid and say, yo, I, I get it. I get it. Like, I've, I've, I've lived through that. Right. Because you hope they understand you and you hope they get you. But 
you're still forced to play the hospital game yeah. and be that professional, mm-hmm. you know, but you're trying to get this person to understand where you're just not making it seem like a sob story. Like, yeah, man, I get it. I know what it's like to have, you know, a sibling addicted to meth. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, why would they feel any connection looking at me? Yeah. You know, right. like they, they shouldn't. There's really nothing. That's hard, man. That's a leap. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys have uh, any parting words. We generally we, now that the, the rule is we leave it up to the guest. If they have words of wisdom that they want to uh, leave us with, and then right after you finish, we make fun of you, and then we end the podcast. Yeah. Any, so, uh, any parting words? Anything you heard recently? A quote? Uh, something you saw that you thought was worth sharing? Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. That's, that's, that's all right, man. That's all right. Because I don't have shit either. I was hoping you'd, you'd close us out with a bang. Uh, but yo thanks for coming by it's been a long time coming uh who knows if you like it if you listen to it and you feel like it was worth coming out fucking come out and listen we've had conversations where i know you could shed some light on some conditions that people would would love to hear man and believe it or not man we have friends who write in and tell us that, that the stuff we talk about and the stuff we're doing that it's helped them they love it they bother us to do another podcast they don't bother us but people are listening and people give a shit and i think we kind of have an obligation being the kind of people we are i don't know kind of give back a little and we'd love to have some writings from you talk to your secretary how dare you how dare you all right well uh that's it man i I got nothing else you guys nah all right that was fun all right love you guys we'll be listening we'll be back soon we'll be better i swear every day all right peace peace medicine remix fam thank you so much for listening hopefully you found that episode valuable and or entertaining and if you did please 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 consider sharing the podcast and writing us a review on itunes it would mean the entire world to us and it would help us spread the word about medicine remixed tremendously we love you stay tuned for some amazing interviews that we have on the chopping block Lots of good shit coming from our studio to your ears on the brand new season of the one and only Medicine Remix. <laughs>